VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Radio by George with your host, NFL superstar, Eddie George. For the next hour, Eddie and his guests will enlighten, empower, and entertain you. Now here's the man of the hour, Eddie George. And welcome to Radio by George. I am here live from Eddie George's lounge here at the studio. And today we have a very special guest, but before we get into that, I want to give out a brief reminder that this coming Saturday, May 19th, is the Tour Day Nash in Nashville, Tennessee. If you haven't signed up, you can go to www.tourdaynash.com. It is a great event. It's promoting health and fitness. You can walk. You can run. You can talk. You can do whatever you want as you enjoy the greenways and pathways of Nashville. I will be there with my family riding bikes, and having a good time. So don't forget to sign up. Remember, all events are free until you get into the more competitive events, uh, the 30-mile bike run, the 20, the, excuse me, the 25-mile bike run, 50-mile bike, and also the 62 uh, bike as well. So we want to get into this thing. I think this man needs no introduction. He is uh, a wonderful man, ran for uh, the, the Senate for the state of Tennessee last year. I would like to introduce the ineffable Harold Ford Jr. Harold, are you there? I'm right here, sir. Uh, you were very kind. Thank very you, kind with your introduction. Thank Dude, you. The first we, show I, that we did, I might have done this like six times and you weren't there. And I was like, oh no. It was like crickets everywhere, man. So <laughs> I was holding my breath on this one. I'm glad it, it all worked out, man. Welcome to the show, man. If I could just be one tenth. I'd take even one twentieth of what you are here in Tennessee. Oh, uh, I would take it, and I'd be in the Senate today. So I, I thank you for uh, for having me on, and uh, thank you for being not only the the icon you are in this community. I thank you for being the family man you are too. So thank you, oh, man. No, thank you, man. I, pr- I appreciate that. Now, if anybody out there that is listening right now, if you have questions for Harold, please call in at eight six six four seven two. Five seven eight seven. That should be on your screen when you're looking at it. If you're not looking at the screen, just call into that number. You want to talk to Harold. So, Harold, what have you been doing since the Senate race in Tennessee? Well, you're kind of ask. I've been busy, and it's been good. The Lord continues to continues to bless me. I've I've been fortunate to uh, to gain a teaching position over at Vanderbilt University, where I taught in the public policy school this last semester, and will do so again. Next semester, a class on the foundations of U.S. political leadership, which I enjoy thoroughly. Uh, I was asked to be the, the chairman of a think tank out of Washington called the Democratic Leadership Council. Uh, its acronym is the DLC. It was an organization that started back in the mid-'80s uh, by a group of Democrats who believed that for nationally, for Democrats to win, they would have to become more mainstream and become more reflective of the values of the country, a young governor from Arkansas back in the early 90s took the lead of the organization and rode the really uh, really rode his chairmanship of that organization onto mm-hmm. the presidency. Uh, obviously, talking about Bill Clinton and his running mate Al Gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was asked, uh, appointed to be a vice chairman over at Merrill Lynch wow. and Company. So I work in Nashville and New York. Have an office there, and I 
have a relationship with Fox News. So I've been busy. My mother jokes at me that I didn't get the job I wanted, but I got four others. Uh, <laughs> hey, so I've been uh, I've been sure fortunate. Did. Yeah, you sure did. You're putting that, that that great education to work. You also have a, 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 a bachelor's from the University of Penn, correct? Or a BA from yes. Penn. And yes, sir. And you went to a, a disgusting little school uh, <laughs> just north of Columbus. <laughs> I, I can't say it on the air, but, you know, it's, it's just, I can't get out my mouth. What, what school I is mean, that again? I didn't know this issue was going to come up. I was, was was hoping that it wouldn't. But, yeah, that little, I'll, we'll leave it the way you characterize yeah. it, sir. Yeah, I, That uh, little pesky school. Yeah, that's probably the worst mistake you probably could have. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, moving right along, man, um, this is the million-dollar question that I think a lot of people want to know, including myself. Do you think race, from your perspective, play any part whatsoever in your Senate loss in Tennessee? Eddie G? Yeah, you hear me? Say the question one more time. I lost you right there at the end. Okay, here we go. I said, did race, from your perspective, play any part whatsoever and your Senate loss in uh, Tennessee? You know, I don't know. I ran as hard a race as I could. Uh, we made mistakes throughout the race. I thought we did a lot of good things in the race. Uh, and there were a series of ads, radio and TV ads, that were run right at the end of the campaign that raised some questions. I thought they were just uh, filthy, uh, uh, smut-filled ads that really uh, uh, that assumed the worst of people here in Tennessee. It was really the National Republican Party that ran it and my opponent you know, denounce the ads, but didn't do much to take them down. But you know, the, the race is in the past, and I, you know, the, the the past is always a platform, and the future is always a ceiling. And uh, that race wasn't meant for me to win. We gave it all we had, and and the good Lord is in the blessing business. I've been fortunate to land in some other spots that allow me to still stay engaged and involved, and to grow in other ways, uh, and gaining a a business and private sector perspective that I did not have before. Mm-hmm. I just turned 37 last Friday, wow. and I'm prayerful that another opportunity will present itself, and uh, voters will give me another opportunity here in Tennessee to lay our views and lay our ideas out before them, and hopefully this time will send me to the office that I run for. Uh, yeah, so I don't exactly. harbor any bad feelings, any ill feelings, and the the person probably best to answer that question would be the people that ran those ads. Really? I, I mean, I couldn't believe uh, what was coming across the screen. <laughs> you know, uh, all the, I, I guess that's how it goes in politics. You know, in terms of how you uh, strategize, you know, certain ads or how you put the, the change the perspective of somebody um, that comes across the screen, and it, I guess it just persuades the, the voters' mindsets. I guess, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. But now, there's talk we could have done. We we, we could have run a better campaign, and I, I take all responsibility and blame for. Uh, our loss, and uh, we will uh, we will learn from this and do better the next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you live young, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about personally is what have you learned about yourself through through that loss? An excellent question. Um, you learn two things spring to mind. First, your faith um, is tested. And it's tested in a positive way because if you believe all of the things that, I mean, I grew up in church and grew up uh, 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 in a household where religion and faith were stressed. And throughout my campaign, um, uh, and it was, it was one of the, the, my faith really undergirded and was the foundation of it. And this didn't work out like I wanted. And I, you know, whenever you're running for office, you feel that you're better than the person you're running against. I, 
believed I had better ideas and, and could contribute. And although it didn't work out, I've landed in some, some terrific, I should say, another set of terrific positions to be able to make a difference. Okay. The second thing it taught me was um, how to respond when things don't go quite like you want them to go. Mm-hmm. And you learn a lot about yourself. It's easy to behave in a way when you win. Uh, but when you don't win what you set out to, to, to win or what you set out to gain, uh, you, you learn a lot about yourself and how you react and how you respond. That's why I hold no bitter or ill feelings about ads or about things that were said. Uh, you know, naturally I'm human. And, uh, you know, I had to pray hard on it to, to, to forgive uh, some of the people that did said some of the things that were said during the campaign. Uh, but you move on from those things. That's right. And, and even if I had won, uh, I would not want to harbor any ill feelings. I'd want to go out and do the best job I could as a senator. Mm-hmm. And now with the, the four positions or, the, should say, the other opportunities that I have, I want to be the best I can at those uh, 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 in these new endeavors and pursuits. Uh, and hopefully voters will, will, will again, re- give me a chance to get back into politics a few years down the road. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that'll happen, How you know, Harold. It's just an unfortunate situation. I can, I definitely can attest to what you're going through because in each and every failure or setback that I've had, I've, I've learned something as well. And uh, what would you do differently in your campaign if you could do it all over again? What would you do different? You know, I don't think of it in those terms. I mean, I, I, because I, to, I've, I've been blessed in my life when things, I've been fortunate, a lot of things have gone right. Uh, and when things, whether they go right or wrong, don't get me wrong, I assessed the campaign and we looked at what we did and how we could have done a few things differently. But I don't know what, what I would have, what I would have done differently. And actually, when you look back, I mean, you can always say, I wish I had a, I mean, if you look back on film, you wish you'd run left instead of to the right. You wish you'd felt run up the middle as opposed to the gone to the outside. Mm-hmm. In this instance, there'd be many, many times you look at it and say, maybe we should have done this or done that. But I don't, I, didn't, I never nitpick like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, much like you, you got to look ahead. No, no. Uh, because if you allow that, uh, wh- whatever it may be, that didn't go right, as many, as many, 99% of the time things go right and at one time it goes wrong, you realize it went wrong and you move right ahead and, and, and block it out. And I just, I just put it behind me and, and um, tried my hardest to build on uh, the successes that we had during that time and, and tried my hardest to build on even the success I had in Congress and apply that to my new pursuits. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more I mean, you, you, I imagine you feel the same way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you hadn't had too many. I wish you'd have had a few more drop balls against Michigan, but, I mean, other than that, you didn't have I, mean, I don't remember too many well, setbacks well, you had. During my, my time at Ohio State, uh, it wasn't too successful against Michigan. They they've beaten us at the at the right time. So <laughs> trust me, I, I know about heartache and I've learned from it. And and some days are tougher than others. But like you say, man, it just opens up um, uh, new doors, new avenues for yourself, and you find out more about yourself. And when you look back and you realize what you've gone through, maybe it wasn't time for me to be in that position, or otherwise I wouldn't be able to realize the other blessings that I had before me. Now. If you guys want to talk to Harold, you have any opinions that you want to come up, uh, ask him about or get across uh, to Harold or uh, you want to chime in on the conversation, please call in at 866-472-5787. And we want to talk with Harold Ford Jr. about politics, about him being single, and about the upcoming presidential election in a minute, y'all. So stay tuned. From our home to your speakers. VoiceAmerica.com 
The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas broadcasts each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Kerry Douglas Show with Kerry Douglas, your premier source for faith-based entertainment, news, events, and trends. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. And welcome back to Radio by George. I'm your host, Eddie George, and we're on with Harold Ford, Jr. Now, Harold, you're you're still single, right? Yes, sir. Ah, so ladies, if you're out there listening, we have a single, good-looking, articulate black man who's doing (laughs) positive things in our country online right now. So please call in if you have any questions. Now, Harold... um, and my girlfriend's going to be upset with me if I don't acknowledge oh, that I'm involved bad, in a very right? serious relationship. i I got to have a place to sleep at home tonight, so i got to be very clear, because I know she might be listening, so I just want to be clear. Hey, hey I, I understand. I understand. Uh, Harold, is, he's not really single, but he's, on, he's borderline. He's on the fence right now. Hey, so there, there's been some talk about um, this term, the new Democrat. And the new Democrats, the terms floating around like blue dog Democrats. What do those terms mean to the average voter? The, the blue dogs are an, an organization of Democrats in the Congress who organize around the premise of ensuring that ensuring that the budget is balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the organization was founded back in the early nineties. Late 80s, early 90s, by uh, Democrats who were just concerned about the growing size of the nation's debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, the New Democrats are a group who believe that not only must we be concerned about the size of the debt and size of the deficit, uh, they are firm believers that uh, 
<coughs> a Democrat promoting an innovation and promoting new technologies and promoting new approaches, whether it be the health care, whether it be the education, mm-hmm. with charter schools or health care marrying more technology to it. Uh, in short, both of these organizations are as committed to finding answers as any other group of Democrats, but they're unafraid to take on uh, kind of novel approaches, even if those novel approaches mean uh, that you challenge some of the orthodoxy of our party. Mm-hmm. Now, I think in this presidential race, I heard you lead into the promo about what the presidential race may look like this go-around. I think the winner, and I want it to be a Democrat, I think the winner of the presidential race is going to be the person, he or she, who best personified, best outlined a vision of leadership for the future, meaning there are no Democrat or Republican ways to die in Iraq. Um, Americans are concerned not only about getting out, but ensuring that we don't invite a regional civil war that will sentence our kids. Mm. Anyone with a 12- or 13-year-old son or daughter, you should be worried about him or her having to go serve and fight a war. If Mm -hmm. we're serious about winning the effort in Iraq, not only must we figure out a way to, uh, uh, you know, I think we should partition that country into three parts, and a lot of Sunnis, Shias, and the Kurds to govern themselves and manage... Allow them to manage their uh, allow them to manage their affairs. But what we got to be serious about, Eddie G, is we got to find new energy sources. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you cannot win a war where you're paying for both sides of the war at the same time. That's right. No military, no nation in the world's history has been able to accomplish that, and we shouldn't test ourselves now. So I think uh, Americans are looking for that leader mm-hmm. who will lay out an agenda to help under, help us balance our budget by taking on Medicare, the size and the growth of Medicare and Social Security. It makes little sense why the wealthiest of Americans would receive a Social Security check. As much as I would love for everyone to receive it, we don't have the money to afford it. You can't fight two wars. You can't send kids to college. You can't take care of poor working Americans that need health care if you're going to have a, a, a Medicare and a Social Security system that was built for the 1930s, 40s, 50s, yeah, and I, 60s I, I, versus I totally where we are today. I totally so people want leadership. Right. right. And, and I think we, we, we lack that right now. I mean, it just seems like, in my opinion, you know, our, our current leaders are, are in for, for themselves and what they're benefiting out of it. You know, uh, you look at our middle class. They're struggling. Yeah, I mean, like they, you, you can't, can't afford health care, you can't afford college for your right. kids. I don't think anyone in America it's bemoans so or laments school, wealth. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, no one, no one laments wealth. Everyone loves seeing people do well. I think the problem we have in America today, particularly in the, in anxi- the anxiety that middle-class Americans feel, is that they can't envision themselves or their children reaching a greater economic status or income status. That's the beauty of America, that your kids can do better than you, that you can work hard, provide a better life for them, and they in turn will grow up and work hard and provide a better life for their kids. Mm -hmm. When you make college unaffordable or unreachable for Americans, when you make it harder for kids to get a good education from K through 12 unless they're rich or they get lucky and win a scholarship, if you make it hard for people to afford health care for their families, uh, that's un-American. And that's at the end of the day, that's what I think the American people want more than anything, someone who will be honest, someone who, someone who will challenge us not only to be responsible for our actions, but will provide people with opportunity if they're willing to work hard and play by the rules. That's what's missing. That's what George Bush and his administration have done to harm the country more than anything else, I believe. So who, who do you think fits that position today? If you had to you know, it's, right it's, 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 it's going to be interesting. You know, I'm head of this, org- this Democratic Leadership Council, so I'm not allowed to endorse or favor a candidate. I mean, I've got to tell you, all six of them excite me. Barack 
Obama on a lot of personal levels uh, excites me for for the some obvious reasons and the reasons that are obvious. I think he has the ability to unite people and bring people together. Hillary Clinton excites him because I think she brings an experience set that is needed at this moment. John Edwards excites me because uh, I mean he understands personal struggle and personal pain and personal triumph. He and his wife's story and his his articulation of the issues and concerns facing middle class Americans. Even Bill Richardson and Joe Biden. I mean, Bill Richardson may be the best diplomat uh, in this, not only in the presidential field, maybe the best diplomat we have in the country today. Mm-hmm. And Joe Biden, who has espoused the plan to partition Iraq into three states, he has the best answer on Iraq. So we've got good candidates. But they all have to understand that America, Americans are not looking for a laundry list of where you stand on issues. They're looking for a coherent, cohesive, and unifying vision for where you want to take the country. And whichever Democrat or Republican does that best is going to win this race. I wanted to be a Democrat, uh, but whichever one of them does it best is going to win this race. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to see that. We definitely need uh, some, someone in there that's going to do all these things. And you speak of one person, um, Barack Obama. You've mentioned him. And he's spoken of new politics. And does that have any relationship to the new Democrats, or is it, is totally unrelated. No, no. I think I think, I think Barack brings. He's, he's he excites voters because he he there's a potential and there's a hope associated with his candidacy. What he's going to have to do over the next several months is demonstrate that he has a command of all the issues confronting our country. That he's able to uh, pass the national security threshold test that we have now. That we have more now, more so now than we've had in presidential races. Since I've been old enough to vote, mm-hmm. I mean, voters, Americans want to go to go to bed at night knowing that their president is defending the country and understands the complexity and multitude of challenges that we face. Barack's got to got to prove that he has that ability, as will Hillary Clinton, as will uh, John Edwards, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, the two issues that the Republicans are going to run against Democrats on are the same issues they run every time: one, terrorism and taxes, mm-hmm. and they're going to try to scare Americans into believing that Democrats may want to be right. But you can't trust them to lead and defend this country because they're too weak to do it. Barack, Hillary, John Edwards, whether it's Al Gore, who's talked about rumored to get in this race, they will have to convince the American people that they can be trusted to defend this country, to protect this country, and to grow this country. In short, to be a leader. And whichever, again, whichever one is able to do that uh, is going to win this race. So when, when do you think do you think Al Gore may jump into this race? In your opinion? Who knows? I mean, I, I think it's 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 you know it's it's early. Think about how just to put this all in perspective. When Bill Clinton ran for president in '92, mm-hmm. he did not announce officially announce until November of 1991. Now here we are in May of 2007, more than a year and six months before the election, and the candidates combined have already raised more than 150 million dollars. I mean, this is the earliest presidential, or earliest start to a presidential race in history. Uh, so when you ask, you know, will, will Al Gore run? I don't know. Will he, when, when would he have to get in? He could probably wait till late fall uh, before getting in the race, if you look at how uh, candidates have done uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 it's, it's early. And, I, you know, there are a number of things that are going to help influence the outcome of this race. Some things the candidates can't control and some things they can't control. I mean, think about it. Five weeks ago, most Americans probably didn't know where Virginia Tech was. That's right. 
unfortunately, because of that tragedy, and our prayers continue to go out to those families and, mm-hmm. and throw into that entire Virginia Tech community, we do. And it's changed the conversation about privacy, about mental health, and even about guns mm-hmm. in parts of the country. So there'll be events that occur, and I don't wish any bad on my great country. I don't want any evil to affect our country, but you just never know in the world we live today what may happen. And, and, and frankly, uh, uh, the kind of leadership yeah. uh, that the, the country will demand. If you think about 9-11, before September 11, 2001, Rudy Giuliani was so despised and detested in New York, he was yeah. on his way out of office as one of the most disgraced mayors in yeah. New York's history. Then on September the 11th, when that, country, when that city was attacked and our country was attacked, he rose to a new height. And commanded the respect that's, that's of not only his city but the country and the world. And hell, that's what's mind-boggling. I, I read in papers and in magazines that he was the hero of 9/11. I, I couldn't believe it. How can he, how can there be a hero in a tragedy like that? What did he do that was so heroic? And, and I, I don't think, understand that. I really don't. He's riding his way to as as going into his uh, presidential campaign. One of the things that, for for better or for worse, when you contrast him. And I'm not a Rudy Giuliani fan, but when you contrast how he responded on 9-11 to how the President of the United States responded, you can see in some ways how the country would look to Giuliani Giuliani during that time for leadership. Mm. Remember, President Bush, when he learned of the attacks on 9-11, he was speaking to a group of students. And uh, when told of it, he uh, (laughs) he said that, you know, he, he he was whispering into his ear as these kids were reading to him. Right. He looked confused and puzzled. And even once the the class ended, he jumped on his Air Force One and first flew, I believe, to Louisiana to hide in a bunker and then flew wow. to Nebraska to another bunker. <laughs> and Rudy Giuliani, in contrast, he walked right into the to the, the World Trade Center, World Tower, or she said World Trade Center, put a mask on his face and walked right in with the firemen and policemen. And <laughs> I think it was that portrait. When you compare the two, the people look, I mean, that, that, that people walked away in those first 48 to 72 hours when it was great confusion. <laughs> and Rudy Giuliani commanded the attention of the country. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not his, I'm not a fan of his, but whether you like it or not, and whether you like him or not, <clears throat> at that moment, when you compare him to the president, he demonstrated more leadership than our own president did at that time. That's right, that's right. And, and Harold, we're going to hold <clears throat> that thought, because I think this is good stuff we're on to. We'll take a minute break, and we'll be back in about a minute and talk to Harold about some more politics. And if you have any questions, please call in. If you want to chime in or add an opinion, please call in at 866-472-5787. And we'll be back with more from Harold Ford Jr. in a minute. VoiceAmerica.com your News Talk Information Radio Network. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. 
Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. Someone once said, what you don't know won't hurt you. Since our people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, that couldn't be further from the truth. Inside Diversity, the power of intelligence is committed to providing an electronic venue for practical education and thought-provoking dialogue about diversity initiatives and the implications for the communities where we live and work. On air every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Network, Inside Diversity is a voice to the community. This show embarks on a journey to confront the lack of knowledge by collaborating with a diverse group of experts to share insights and intelligent solutions to workplace issues with a focus on cultural competence and challenges facing women. Join hosts Carmen M. Carter every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Network for Inside Diversity, the Power of Intelligence, and go where few people dare to explore and learn the real deal like never before. VoiceAmerica.com you're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. And Welcome back. We're live from the lounge at By George Studios, and I'm online with Harold Ford, Jr. We're talking a little politics, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and the presidential race, and just where we are in terms of our leadership of our country. And, Harold, I know you said you can't really base an opinion on anybody, but I know you can do this. Can you at least list the top five candidates in our, in our in, as far as our Democrats? Well, I don't think there's any doubt. Two of the names, Barack and Senator Obama, Senator Clinton, Senator Edwards, would be right there at the top. Uh, I think you'd have to put Al Gore, although he's not an announced candidate. If you look at the polling, you'd have to put him right there in the top top four candidates. And then he probably got one or two others you can you can add to that add to that list. Joe Biden uh, and Bill Richardson, uh, and maybe even a third, Chris Dobbs, would probably make up that that last tier there, the second tier. But without a doubt, Clinton, Obama, Edwards, Gore would be the would be the top four in the race, at least according to all the polling and probably the ability to raise money and do the things you have to do in this race to be successful. They probably stand the best chance. Okay, good, good, good. All right, man. So this is a segment that I that I've grown to love a little bit. It's um, inspired by uh, Marcel Proust and his questionnaire, which is about on. On life, and he was a questionnaire. Actually, when he was 13 years old, that it was at his birthday party, and it's pretty open-ended questions. Uh, you can answer them however you want to, and it just really just shows another side of who you are. So, are you ready for the fabulous five questions? Yes, sir. All right. All right. Number one: What is your idea of perfect happiness? My idea of perfect happiness? Yes. Uh, an America that treats everybody equally, uh, shows no favor or privilege to those with more, 
and gives everybody an opportunity to achieve whatever he or she wants. Okay. That's my idea of it. What is your greatest regret? My greatest regret? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I don't think in those terms because when something is over with, I move on. Um, I guess I wish I probably, if, if I could have spent a little more time with my, uh, with my, uh, my grandmother, my mother's mom, before she passed, I was so doggone busy watching. I wish I'd have done that. How are you there? Yes, I'm right here. Okay. Uh, that was that was the end of your, your answer. That that I mean I don't I don't think in those terms about regrets or things things that I that, that I don't do. And maybe I should, but I just wish I'd spend, I wish I'd spend a little more time with my my mother's mom who helped raise me. Uh, and her, her, her waning months, I wasn't able to get down to see her as much as I wanted to. She was in Memphis and I was in Washington. It was just hard to manage my time, and I wish I'd done a little bit more of that. Okay. What do you consider your greatest achievement? My greatest what? Achievement. Uh, my, my proudest achievement was when I got baptized at 16 years old at Mount Moriah's Baptist Church in Memphis. Uh, is what I would, I guess, I, I, one regret is I wish my parents would let me get baptized a little early, but they knew what they were doing. I didn't know what I was accepting, and probably was best I got a little older to fully understand it. So that's my proudest achievement. Okay. Okay, here's one. On what occasion do you lie? On what occasion do I what? Do you lie? On what occasions do I lie? Yeah. Uh, when my girlfriend asked me how far I am, how long, how much longer before I get home, <laughs> I've been known not to fully tell the truth around those times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there too, man. I'm like 10 minutes away. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I, I count in very liberal ways a minute, you know. Okay. <laughs> and where would you like to live? Where would I like to live? Yeah. Well, that's another great question. You know, I've been fortunate. In Congress, I lived in Memphis and Washington, in my congressional district in D.C., and I went back and forth. Um, um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know of a city. I tell you, I, I love being able to come home and it be everybody is smiling mm. or everybody seems a little is, is, is happy or I should say there's a more generous feel and a more gentle feel to it than where I am when I'm at work. Uh, so I guess that can be in the home that I make and the home of my family that I make one day. Mm. And I might be in Washington, or I might be here in Nashville, or it might be both. That's great, man. And, you know, once again, I really appreciate you coming on today. I know that you're a busy man. You're here in Nashville, Tennessee today, right? What do you, what's going on here today? We announced it today. We, we announced uh, this morning that the, the DLC, that, that will host, we will hold our national convention, which we do annually. Uh, we will hold it in Nashville this year. It will be in late July. And I joined the governor and joined the mayor, and we made that announcement this morning. Mm -hmm. This evening I will speak, or about, about an hour from now, I will speak over at Meharry. This is the beginning, Meharry Medical School. This is the beginning of graduation week, seniors week, and I'm the first speaker of the week. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I will uh, I will head back, uh, celebrate my birthday on Friday, and I think, I think my some of my friends and, and one or two of my staff members here are trying to throw me a surprise birthday party tonight, so oh, 
I got to act right. surprised, and then I leave out in the morning. Uh, got to got to hit so get back on the road in the morning. A surprise now, is it? Yeah, I, th- I think they want it to be a surprise, but I think I caught on to something. <laughs> so I'm gonna act surprised. So you got to act surprised. Okay, Absolutely. I got you there. Now, now the DLC that that's the the, the Democratic the Democratic Leadership Council. Now, is that for for the the youth or what is that? No, no, this will be. We will. I'm sorry. We will host about 500 elected officials from across the country for our convention. Uh, 500 elected officials and probably a thousand other delegates, uh, meaning sponsors, supporters, and uh, practitioners of. of of, should say those that run nonprofit organizations and so forth around the country. The highlight of it, though, will be our elected officials who will come and share kind of best practices and ideas from around the country. It's an opportunity for the new generation of leadership in our party to be showcased. Uh, we expect uh, uh, all of the candidates for president, not all of the, certainly the top tier candidates for president, uh, to be uh, to join us here. Barack and Mrs. Clinton, or Senator Obama, Senator Clinton, Senator Edwards, mm-hmm. uh, and we might even have uh, Vice President Gore. Uh, be a part of it as well. So we announced it officially this morning that it would take place here in Nashville, and uh, we will continue to announce a sort of confirmed uh, 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 presidential speakers, candidate speakers, as the as it goes on. But we will have a, a host of governors, four or five governors, Democratic governors from around the country that will speak. And uh, it's done every year, and it's it's really become the the highlight event of the DLC each year. Uh, and this year will be no different. We will break attendance records this year, and we will probably break fundraising records this year. And I'm proud to say we'll do it right here in Nashville. That's excellent, man. I, I can definitely say that it's uh, it's been a privilege and honor to know you, work with you, and see you grow as uh, as, a, as a man and as a man in the politics as well. And you know, I will be seeing you at your <laughs> at your party tonight. I was hopefully I was surprise you there, but I will be there as well. <laughs> My wife and I, <laughs> who, who, by the way, is a huge fan of yours. You know, she's just she's mesmerized every time you speak. So you know, I just try to uh, to, uh, to talk to you a little bit. Hey, but listen, I have a caller uh, for us, Harold. Um, her name is Audrey from Florida. Um, we can bring Audrey on if she's uh, ready to go. Absolutely. How you doing, Eddie? Hey, how you doing? Uh oh. You have a question for Harold? Yes, I do. Okay. Hello, hello, Miss Audrey. How are you? Okay, you're going in and out. Are you ready? I'm, yeah, we're ready. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, you actually preempted my question about national security, uh, so I have a follow-up question. Um, what do you think um, the Democrats would need uh, in their foreign policy repertoire to prove that they're effective stewards of national security? That's a great question, and I think at the end of the day, uh, the question you ask will determine whether or not, the answer Democrats give will determine whether or not we win. In, in short, here's, here's my thinking. Um, there's a civil war underway in Iraq. Uh, the American military, as great and as strong and as vibrant as it is, cannot mediate or referee a civil war. Our primary interest in, in the Middle East as we speak is twofold. One is to defeat al-Qaeda, and we can't lose sight of that. If Democrats lose sight of that, uh, we'll lose this election. Uh, our focus should be on reassembling a coalition to go after not only al-Qaeda, but those uh, uh, terrorist groups that have spawned or should say that have grown out of that organization. Number two, we have to find ways to fight illiteracy and poverty and hunger in that region of the world. We have to find ways to combat hopelessness amongst Muslim, amongst young Muslim men who, frankly, 
uh, in many parts of, of the Middle East are being taught to hate America. Uh, we have to find ways to reach that group to ensure that five- and six-year-old little boys and girls here in America uh, don't grow up with the wrong view of five- and six-year-old little boys in the Middle East, or should say young Muslim kids across this world. That's the long-term challenge we face. And we have to do that at the same time that we fight those who want to kill us and destroy us and undermine our way of life. A Democrat running for president this go-round, if he or she expects to win, they have to take that question on in a frontal way and have to be willing to use force and to use our military to fight back those and to beat back those who would do harm to us, and at the same time be willing to reach out to moderate and friendly uh, allies of ours in that region of the world and even be willing to help build uh, new alliances. One of the reasons I think Hillary and Barack possess so much hope in this race is that both understand this, both realize that our future rests not only in fighting terrorism, but winning the hearts and minds of people, particularly those who we believe 10 years from now, 20 years from now, may hate us to the point they want to do harm to us. And finally, we've got to have a new energy strategy. If we don't find, if we don't diversify our energy streams and energy sources in this country, uh, we will find ourselves not only dependent on oil, but we will find ourselves continuing, continually funding those who hate us and those who would do harm to us and those who would destroy our way of life. That's what I would do. Great question. Audrey, thank you for coming on for your, for your, uh, your question. Appreciate that. Yeah, Harold, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's some good stuff. Now, you, you talk about the energy. Uh, what are what are some of the energy strategies? I hear so much talk about biodiesel nowadays. Now, is that is that something that we're looking more into in the future? We are, uh, and we have to. We got to find ways to uh, exploit the use of coal. Figure out ways to burn it clean and to extract it clean. Uh, the, if those those of us who care deeply about climate change and the environment. Nuclear energy is the cleanest form of energy, but there are great concerns about how you store nuclear waste. That's where our focus should be in this country, in developing new technologies to address these areas. Because in the long term, uh, the fight against terrorism and the preservation of our national security will depend on how and where we find new energy. Good. Hey, Harold, that's, uh, that's it for right now. So, listen, we're going to come we'll be back in about a minute. Uh, with some more Harold Ford Jr. If you want to call in, call in at 866-472-5787. And we'll be back in a minute. The Internet's premier talk radio station, voiceamerica.com. There is a difference between someone who lets life happen to them and someone who steps up and makes things happen. That person is a player, not just in the realm of athletics, but in all aspects of life. Are you ready to step up? Are you ready to start on a journey to a new lifestyle that will make you stronger, healthier, and more confident? Are you ready to be a player? Then explore the EGX experience at www.egxlifestyle.com. Let Eddie George help get your mind, body, and spirit fused and focused. If you're ready, log on to egxlifestyle.com to begin a journey to a better life through exercise, diet, and wellness. Join with Eddie George to create a personal plan for your success, and he'll help you discover the best you can be. Visit egxlifestyle.com and begin your journey with greatness today. 
Everything you want to be, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing their goals has to be difficult, but guess what? It isn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that's what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for Success Made Simple. You'll be given the principles to success as written in her latest book, The Seven Secrets to Create Your Fate. Listen live to Success Made Simple, where you will find out how to set your goals, how to determine the steps needed to reach them, and overcome obstacles like fear and procrastination along the way. That's Success Made Simple every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific with Charmin Lane, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Radio by George with your host, Eddie George. If you have a question for Eddie or his guest or would like to simply join the conversation, call now. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5788. That number again, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Radio by George. And welcome back to Radio by George. George, on with Harold Ford Jr. Harold, you still there, brother? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, we just talked about uh, you know the energy strategy, education, and specifically for education. What state are we in right now, and what are some of the solutions to correcting the problems right now within our educational system? Uh, we need to tailor our K through 12 system to meet the needs of children not the needs of teachers or parents or school boards or politicians, but to meet the needs of students. We need a lot of ways to treat the education product like we do movie, a movie product or an entertainment product. We tailor to the needs of the audience that we are trying to appeal to. One size fits all doesn't work uh, in, in our school system. Um, and by that I mean you have kids who frankly show up in kindergarten who've had greater instruction and training at home than kids than some other kids, and our education system has to be tailored to meet those needs. Uh, in addition, when kids graduate from high school, we're to give them a chance to earn their way through college. If you're willing to serve your country, we'd allow you to go to college for free. Uh, if you're willing to serve your country either by joining the National Guard or joining active duty services or, or providing a, a national service through being a substitute teacher or, or, or working, uh, if we teach you if you are trained to be a nurse, that you provide, you know, community service to a community clinic or to a hospital. If we train you to be a doctor, you do the same. If you train to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. that you give time back to the community. Whatever vocation or whatever profession we train you or provide the resource for you, resources for you to get skilled at, you ought to give back to the country. If we can pay for kids, rightly so, uh, uh, to, to perform well uh, in athletic contests, we ought to be able to pay for kids to go to college and want to help their country. And America's got to get closer to that model than the model we have today. There are a bunch of things you can do. You got to have good teachers in the classroom. You got to reduce the size of classes. But in short, you got to tailor the education process to the kids you're trying to teach. Mm-hmm. So, like the, the No Child Left Behind program, in your opinion, is not working. It's a great concept where you hold schools accountable. I, I'm in full support of holding. Whenever you give someone money to teach someone or to perform a government service, that will be held accountable. If they're not producing, they should have the money yanked from them. The problem with No Child Left Behind is 
um, it's a one-size-fits-all. You don't take into account that in some school districts you have kids working with uh, older textbooks or older materials. You don't take into account that some kids show up in kindergarten not reading at kindergarten level. So much of the way you determine how well a child will do in elementary and middle and high school is is determined by what happens before they reach kindergarten. And if you're not going to take steps to help kids at the kindergarten level to achieve certain levels, then you're going to lose these kids as time goes on. So at some level our system doesn't make sense. We allow kids to reach kindergarten, and we just teach them all as if they're all working and operating from the same level, unless, of course, you're at a private school. You can't operate that way. Our kids won't win, and our country won't win. Right. I I mean, I totally agree. My my family goes through that on a consistent basis. I have nephews that um, are, are moving forward without the proper skills to go into college. And it's just, it's just a sad sight to see. You know, unless you can afford to put your children in a great private school, um, outside of that, you know, you don't know what you want to get in some of these public systems. You have no idea what you're going to get, and more importantly, you punish that child. That's right. I mean, it, 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 at the same time, I think early on in, in school, we had to teach character education in our, in our, in our schools, we had to introduce financial literacy courses in our school. And every year from first grade, eighth grade, you have to take a public speaking course. One of the most mm-hmm. embarrassing things when I, is when I meet kids, and I speak at a lot of schools like you do, Eddie, and how embarrassed some kids are, particularly kids that look like you and I, right. who are afraid to look you in the eye when they shake your hand, who are afraid to talk to you. I mean, you can't succeed in a world where communication is vital to your success if you're not, if you're not comfortable and not able to communicate effectively and crisply and clearly. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's absolute truth, and even to this day, this very moment, I continue to take classes where speaking well and acting classes and public speaking courses just to, to broaden up because communication is key, Harold, and in today's, in, in, especially in today's society, you know, when so much, especially for our culture, uh, it's it's tougher. And the more that you know for us and the more that you are able to get across in terms of communication, the better position that you will be in to succeed. And, uh, you know, we're about to close up in a minute here, Harold. We have four minutes till we close. And, and you know, it's, it's not all money, and I'm not advocating yeah. that we necessarily spend more money. You look at two school districts in America, and one in New Jersey, in Newark, and another in Washington, D.C. More money is spent per pupil in those communities and anywhere in the country, yet they consistently rank amongst the top ten worst mm-hmm. school systems in the country. Money alone doesn't solve this. There's a way we organize this system. There's a way, there's a way that, 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 you, that you allocate resources in a smarter way. And that's what we have to focus on if we're serious about not only these kids learning, but if we're serious about their future and our future uh, uh, as a nation. So when you say money is not the answer, so what is it? Is it just how it's... No, I said money alone isn't always the answer. Like when you, even when you talk about health care, America spends $2 trillion a year, 2.2 to be exact, on health care. We spend more, we spend double the amount any industrialized nation in the world spends. Yet we have 46 million Americans without health insurance. I happen to think before you talk about spending more money, you got to figure out how you spend the money you have more efficiently. Mm-hmm. As a taxpayer, I'm not going to pay more in taxes to a system that is wasteful. I'm not going to spend more money to allow it to be mismanaged. I'd much rather keep it in my own pocket, and I don't blame any American that believes that. I happen to think when it comes to health care and education, we have to figure out where we're spending it and where it can better be spent to ensure that people, are, people get adequate health 
that the delivery system, our healthcare delivery system works, and our education delivery system works. Quick example on healthcare. You and I both probably have money cards at a bank. And you probably have a lot more in the bank than I do, but I can go to the bank and pull out what money I have in my account with a bank card, an ATM card. Uh-huh. Why we don't have that for on a health card for all of us as well? If you can be anywhere in the country, even the world, and push four digits and take out five hundred dollars, you got to be able to take that card at any hospital. They put it in a machine to figure out what you're allergic to, mm-hmm. what tests you've had most recently, so they won't engage in redundant testing because every time they test you needlessly, it costs money. When they test people who don't have health insurance. You know who it costs? It costs people who do have health insurance. Right. The most right. expensive and inefficient way to deliver health care in this country is called an emergency room. Mm. If people had health care and access to it, and this one one idea of marrying technology into the health care delivery system would save billions of dollars. It makes no sense to me why we allow drug companies to pay doctors side fees basically to promote their drugs. You know who ends up paying for that? The taxpayer does. Right. These are, When I talk about spending money, I'm saying let's look at this system, figure out where the money is being spent, and figure out how we spend it more efficiently. You've grown up with a lot of great coaches in your life, and you've known there have been coaches who you've had, Eddie, who's worked with talent that was not as great as maybe talent you had on another team, but that coach was able to get the most out of what he had. We are spending too much money on health care not to get more out of it. We may need more dollars than what we're spending, but i tell you this, I as a politician wouldn't ask for one additional dime of tax revenue until we figured out how to spend better what we're spending now, and the same is true with education. We'll probably have to spend more in K through 12, but we better figure out what the problem is and how to spend it better and what, more importantly, what we believe we should spend it on to get a better result than what we're getting today. Wow. Hey, that, that was well said. Maybe you should vote, go, go for president. <laughs> you were so that, was, that was a great job, man. I, you know, I, I'm speechless at this moment, but, you know, this is the end of our hour, and I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule for talking to us on radio radiobyjorge.com I appreciate your comments your thoughts your insight Harold and hopefully you'll come on again and be a guest man and and thank you and happy belated birthday brother thank you brother I appreciate it I'll see you later alright bro bye bye there it is our latest edition of Radio by George and I hope you have a blessed day until next time same hour same place next week see you next time peace enjoyed this week's episode of Radio by George. If you have a question or comment for Eddie and just can't wait until next Monday, you can email him at info at radiobygeorge.com. Selected emails will be read on the air so your voice can be heard worldwide. Be sure to listen live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. See you next week.